Well, thank you for being here this morning. This morning, we're going to continue in our series as we're walking through the book of First Thessalonians, and we're looking at the issue of a, what makes up a, a dynamic church, what makes up a church that is different, what makes up a church that, that has, a, has, has different principles or is dynamic or has power that reaches a community, that reaches farther outside of their community. And so this morning, we're going to look at the subject that a church should be a, a, church should be a place of community. A church should be a place where there's deep relationships. Fact is, they just conducted a survey because of our economic times and some of the downturns in the community and some of the things that are going on in the world. And they found, and this may shock you, but they found that most Americans would say, you know what, we're unhappy. And we're just struggling with purpose and we're just struggling with, with this issue of just being fulfilled and just happiness. And so as a result of that statistic that said the majority of Americans would say, you know what, we're struggling in that area and we're just not happy. Then they did another study to find out what is different about those that, that would say, you know what, we, we feel like we have purpose in life, we, we feel like we're happy. What is different in their life that is not present in those that feel like, you know what, we're unhappy and we're unfulfilled? And so they narrowed it down to, to three things as they conducted their survey. It's so interesting when you begin unpacking these and looking at these. The first one is this, is they say that if you're, if you're going to have fulfillment in life, if you're going to be happy, these three things need to be present in your life. First is this, is that you need to be able to connect with something larger than yourself. That you have to connect with something that is, that is much larger than yourself, that is much bigger than you. The second thing is this, that if you're going to have happiness in your life, you need to have a large circle of, of relationships that are familiar faces. In other words, you need to be in this community to where you, you, you see some people and, and you know what, you recognize their faces. Uh, you may do life on a certain level with them and you recognize them, but you may not know their names. You may not know their, their kids' names. You may not know their birthdays, anniversaries, but there's this, 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 this community, if you will, that is just kind of comfortable. Then the third thing that you need if you're going to be happy is this. You need a close group of friends 8 to 12 is what, this, what the survey said, of close friends to where you know their names. You know their husband's name or their wife's name. You, you, you know their kids. You know anniversaries. You know birthdays. You, you, you do life together. And the interesting thing, this was a secular study. It was a non-Christian study, if you will. I mean, this wasn't pastors and Christians doing the study. This was non-Christians that conducted this study, and this is what the survey revealed. Here's the interesting thing. The Bible's been saying that for thousands of years. Fact is, to us, to the believer, that's not new news. That's not some big aha moment. You see, Scripture has been talking about that for many years. In fact, is what makes a church dynamic, what gives a church great power, is this issue of it is a place of community. It is a place of deep relationships. And so, in fact, is the, the, the Greek word for fellowship is kononia, which means joint participation, to where there's this joint participation in something. So the Bible would say, and what Paul's saying to the, uh, the church there in Thessalonica is this, that a dynamic church is a church of just great community. He gives them three things, and so we're just going to walk through those three things together. And the first thing that he says is, is that there's a need for community. Paul begins to walk through them and say that there is a need for community. fact is, you realize that God has wired us. This is so interesting to me. God has wired you and I for community. He has wired us to connect with something larger than ourselves, which is him. 
He has wired us then to connect with relationships at a deeper level. He has wired us. Everything in Scripture, when God moved, he always moved in a people group. Yes, there was a prophet, or yes, there was a leader, but he always moved in a people group, and they moved together. Remember Numbers chapter 11, when Moses is like leading the children of Israel, and he had that meltdown because he was sick and tired of them because they were whining and complaining the whole time about, about manna and about what they were eating and all this other stuff. Remember, he had this meltdown. He said, did you just carry me out in the desert talking to God? Did you carry me out in the desert just to kill me oh the burden is too great to me i cannot carry all these people moses and god came back to moses and said moses i never called you to carry this burden along get some people around you that can share the burden with you to encourage you and and to support you fact is in genesis the bible says in creation when god created the world he said it is good then he created man he said it is very good And then he said, something is not good. He said, it's not good for man to be alone. And I will make a helper suitable for him. The first thing that God said that was not good in creation was isolation, was loneliness, because God has not created us for isolation. God has not created us. He has not wired us. We have this desire we were created for relationships. Now, now Paul planted the church. Remember, if you've been with us, he planted the church in Thessalonica. He had to leave. And so he's writing a letter back to them. And, and let's just pick up here, and we'll just pull some of these out. First, first Thessalonians 2.17, verse 17, here's what he says. But since we were torn away... In the Greek, that phrase, torn away, means sudden loss. It was, it was, it was violent. It was unexpected. It was that, like that unexpected se- uh, separation that you couldn't plan for, you couldn't predict. I mean, they didn't even have enough time to throw Paul a going-away party. They didn't have enough time for closure to everyone get together and meet one last time as a church and tell him goodbye and how much they loved him and how much they missed him. In other words, what he says was, it was just sudden, and we were just ripped apart, or we were torn away. And watch this. For you, brothers, for a short time. So this isn't permanent. I mean, it's a temporary separation that they're going through. It was a period that what happened was, as Paul was preaching the gospel, the church was growing, and they were persecuting the church, and they were after Paul, and they thought it was best if they abruptly send him away for his protection. And so then he goes, watch this. He says, in person, not in heart. There were deep relationships. You ever had that friend? You ever had that relationship that, that you know what, even though you guys were separated, even though that they moved away or, or whatever, that you may have been separated physically, but you were not separated emotionally. I mean, I've got a friend like that. Uh, Phil and I met in, in, uh, in the fourth grade. And we haven't lived in the same community. I mean, we went, to, we went through school together. We went to high school together. We went to college together. Uh, we hung out together. We did sports together. And we haven't lived in the same community since 1978. But I can call him, and he can call me. And we pick up. It's, it's like we haven't even left each other. That's what Paul's saying. Says geographic location doesn't matter about this relationship. They may have separated us physically, but man, emotionally, there's still a connection. Man, emotionally, we're still friends. I mean, I was the best man in his wedding. He was the best man in, in my wedding. This is what Paul is trying to tell him. And he goes on, he says, We endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire, what? To see you face to face. 
deep relationships are developed face-to-face. And I know we live in a Twitter world and, and, uh, and, and Facebook and text messaging and, and, and all of that. But I'm going to tell you, deep relationships are built and developed face-to-face. Where you see their eyes. You see their emotion. You see what they're going through. This is what Paul is trying to get them to understand. And he goes on and he says, Because we wanted to come to you, and I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. I mean, I, I don't know if you've gone through any of those events in your life to where, where someone has been torn away, if you've been separated, whether, whether a, a close friend got transferred or, or whether you, you changed jobs or you lost a job and so you moved from one job to the next, but boy, you really enjoyed working with the, the last department, the last group of people, and, and so you just really miss them. Um, I don't know if you've had a family member move away. I don't know if maybe it was maybe it was when you put your ch- child first day of kindergarten. I remember that day, the first day that we put Brittany and Amanda on the bus, or or maybe it was when you sent kids off to to college. I just you know what I was I wasn't prepared for that event in my life as a dad. Uh, we moved Brittany up to Colorado Springs. She went to and graduated from UCCS, and and uh, they have a different dorm situation there. So she had a little efficiency apartment, and. Uh, it just caught me totally off guard. When I told her goodbye, I mean, I just, I totally lost it. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I mean, it just wrecked me. All the flood of, of, of memories and in the house and, and all of that other stuff. And, and I, I still remember when I closed the door to her apartment and as, I'm, as the door is closing, I heard her tell her mom and her sister says, wow, I thought he was going to be the easy one to tell goodbye. So thanks. <laughs> And maybe you've had those. Here's the deal. Romans 8 tells us that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. But in this world, there are goodbyes. In this world, we're a transient society. There are times that that we are separated. And Paul was trying to help them understand his desire for them. But, 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 But when you leave a community... There is always, or is there always the desire of a reunion? And this is Paul's desire. And you know what? In our church, there have been a lot of people through life group ministries that have built friends and relationships that has developed face-to-face. You see, deep discipleship, deep growth does not come in rows. It does not come by staring at the back of the head of the person in front of you. That's part of it, and that's part of worship, and that is good, but that's just a part of it. Deep growth is developed in circles to where you look at each other face to face and you meet and you do life together and your lives are intertwined with with their life. And in our church, through our life group ministry, there are so many groups that have met. And you know what? They become like family together. I mean, in some, they're closer than their natural family as they walk through the different seasons of life. In fact, Psalm 68, 6 says this. says, God takes the solitary and he places them in a home. I mean, God takes the lonely. God takes those that have been isolated and he places them in community. Why? Because God never created you for isolation. God never created you for loneliness. I mean, sociologists will tell us loneliness can be one of the greatest drives we have. At times, it can be stronger than, than a sex drive. It can be stronger than, than a, a drive for, for hunger. But, because, man, loneliness, we weren't created for that. And because of that, people will get involved in unhealthy relationships knowing they're unhealthy. 
because they just want some relief from loneliness, even if it is for a night, even if it is for a short time. Because we've been created, we've been wired for, see, every one of us is in community. The question is, are you in biblical community? Are you in healthy community? The community that you're in, do your friends, do the community that you're in, do they push you farther to God or do they push you farther away from God? Do they, do they call you to live a life of holiness and purity and, and faith? Or do they, or they push you away from him? Are your friends encouraging that you even attend church? Are they asking you, what is up with you? Why do you even do you? I meet with so many Christians that struggle. And you know what they say? I don't have one Christian friend. This is it for me. I just come in, do the worship deal, and I leave. Other than that, I do not have any... Listen, God did not create us to live in isolation. And the fact is, the Bible would say this. If you don't have those relationships around you, you are at risk. If you don't have people that can look at you face-to-face and speak into your life, that you're at great risk. Well, the benefits. So there's, 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 there's the, the need for community. But then also, Paul walks through this and says, well, there's, there's great benefits in, in community. Let's just look at a few. The first thing that Paul says is one of the benefits of community is this issue of just pleasant memories. So, so this was in the days before cell phones and text messaging and Twitter and, and, and the Internet. And so Paul wanted to know, what is happening in Thessalonica? He sends Timothy there to give a report and come back. And so he had to wait days, and then he sent a letter to them, verse 6, chapter 3 of 1 Thessalonians. He says, but now that Timothy has, Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remembered us kindly. That had to be good news to Paul, that they cared for him the same way that he cared for him, that they had pleasant memories of him and longed to see you see us as we long to see you. Now listen, Paul had planted this church. He had left this church. And you know what? I've never experienced this. This is the only church I've ever pastored. So I've never left a church and, and, and had those memories of all the people that I saw come to faith in Christ and been baptized and, 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 and everything else. But I can tell you this. Man, I have pleasant memories of every life group I've been a part of. I'm telling you, life change in my life, a lot of it came out of being in close community, face-to-face community with other believers. Karen and I met when, when we were both in a, a singles life group, and, and we, we met in that, that life group, and uh, other couples, other friends met in that life group as well. We all kind of dated together. We kind of hung out together. And then we all got married about the same time. And within six months of each other, like six or seven couples got married all at the same time. And so we just graduated, you know, from the singles, uh, singles life group. And we went into a, a newlywed life group. Uh, that was 20-something years ago. And we still are connected with that group of people. And I have memories. And I remember the Papools that, that they had been married almost 30 years. That seemed like an t- eternity to, to us being only married a year. And... You know, I, I, I couldn't go through a list and tell you all the Bible studies that we looked at and all the, the, the things that we pulled out of Scripture. We did that, and we prayed for each other. But you know what I really remember? I remember the pools poured into my marriage. 
about the different, different seasons of life and about the different seasons of marriage and how important it is to stay faithful and how important it is to walk through life together and what marriage should look like. I mean, I remember that. I remember some of the couples, you know, uh, Bill and Sandra Northern. Uh, we, we, we knew them when we were all single. We got married within six months of each other. I remember one of our first vacations, I borrowed a, a, a pop-up trailer from my dad uh, my mom and dad, and we went camping for the weekend. And so I'm driving, and we, we headed down to a, a state park in South Texas, and, and about a mile uh, from, the, from the state park, I hit a skunk with the back tire of my SUV. And so I don't know if you've ever hit a skunk pulling something, but it's not good because it's like a backstop. I mean, it, it has something for the skunk to fly into at 80 or 85 miles an hour. Whatever the speed limit was then, that's what I was going. And so we hit this skunk like, like two miles or three miles before the state park. We pull into the state park because there's no car, car wash, uh, wash. There's no car wash. So you guys know what I'm talking about. There's out there. And so we pulled in. And so I don't know if you've ever hit a skunk, but at 80, 85 miles an hour, there's like no smell because, you know, it's, it's, it's just not there. But you stop at the ranger station, the smell kind of catches up with you. I still remember her face when she checked us in. She says, what is that smell? And I'm, I thought it was stinking hilarious. I said, man, I just hit a skunk. I mean, it was like awesome. And so, and so but here's the deal. Here's what I learned that if you on a holiday weekend, if you'd like a campsite that's isolated away from everybody else, hit a skunk on your way in because they put a... And I mean, we laughed about that all weekend about that. Man, we did life together. We had kids about the same time. When, when Bill took a job as associate pastor in Mississippi, Karen and I loaded up a U-Haul with him. We moved him up there. I, I remember a good friend of mine. His name was, was, was Frank King. Frank and Carolyn King. Frank had served in the, in the Air Force, and, and we had just... Both of us had a weird sense of humor, and we laughed at stuff and made jokes at stuff that everybody else thought was, you know, stupid. And we just got stuff that nobody else really got, and I think it was because of our just supreme in intelligence. I don't know what it was. But, but we just got stuff. And um, we, played, we played intramural sports together and, and, and everything. And so uh, I still remember the phone call from Carolyn. Carolyn called our house about 11 o'clock one night and says, Hey, you need to pray for Frank. Frank was, was playing basketball tonight or volleyball. I think he was in a volleyball league. And he was playing volleyball, and, and he had tightness in his chest. And so we thought he pulled a muscle, and he was having trouble breathing. Took him to the hospital, and they noticed an irregular heartbeat. And so they just wanted to keep him overnight, and just for observations, they'll, they'll run some more tests in the morning. And, and she says, you know, I've never seen Frank cry. I mean, he was in the Air Force and tough guy, and i just never seen him cry. And she says, the reason I'm so concerned is when I told him goodbye, he began to cry. And I said, Frank, what's wrong? And Frank says, I'm worried I'll never see you again. And she said, I just said, Frank, that's stupid. I mean, tomorrow, I, I mean, there, it's just observation. You're in a hospital. What could go wrong? Well, about one in the morning, he had an aneurysm in his aorta. And it took him some time to get him from the, his hospital room to the emergency room. And so there was loss of blood flow, of course, to the brain and his body and he was in a coma, and he was in a coma for four weeks. And so, because Frank and I were, were close, they would have me come in and tell Frank all the stupid jokes we'd ever told over and over and over. And they could tell with the monitor that there was a change in his heart rate, there was a change in his blood pressure. And they were hoping that that, man, our life group, man, I, I cannot imagine what people do without a life group. We were never created for that. And our life group jumped into action and people started mowing yards and, 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 
and fixing dinners and cooking dinners and and uh, taking care of them and 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 Frank came out of his his coma and uh, Karen and I would we all did shifts and and mine was in the evening and I'd get off work and Karen would go with me and I'd feed Frank because uh, mentally he wasn't there any longer because of loss of blood flow and we did flashcards with Frank trying to get him to read cat and dog and those words and Frank a few years later died because it was he died of AIDS because it was during the time when we didn't know that the blood supply was contaminated with AIDS there weren't even tests for that they didn't even know what it was then it was in the early 80's man this life group and Carolyn's faith encouraged me of how she walked through that and she didn't check out of marriage and didn't check out of the the, the relationship and man, we have pleasant memories of of celebrations together and difficult seasons together. God never wired us to not be in community, deep community, face-to-face community with other believers. There's pleasant memories, but there's also comfort. I mean, we watch this happen over and over. Watch this. Paul says, verse 7, For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and afflictions, we have been comforted. There's that word about you through your faith. Man, when you're meeting with people in circles instead of rows and you're doing life with each other and you're going through the different seasons of life together, there is something that happens that just comforts you when you get to see someone actually live out the Word, actually stay true to what the Bible says. I mean, it it encourages you and it encourages them. Paul said this in Romans chapter 1, verse 11. He says, I long to see you. This is another church that he had been at, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. Listen, your gifts are not just for you. We live in a society, we live in, in, in a time when we believe, you know what, my gifts, they're just for me. They're just for my benefits. Your gifts are not, that's why Paul says, listen, God has given each one of us a spiritual gift. And when someone does not exercise the spiritual gift in the body, the whole body suffers. And Paul says the reason we do life together, the reason we do life groups, the reason we speak into each other's life is because my spiritual gift, I get this, my spiritual gift is for you. It is to encourage you, is to speak into your life. I mean, that's what brings, watch this, verse 12. That is that we may be what? Mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Man, discipleship, depth happens best in life groups to where you, you walk with people that you care for and that you have these deep relationships with and that they can speak into your life and encourage you and he goes on, both yours and mine. You see, many people get depressed or discouraged, and, and I don't think it's because they're, they're stressed. I don't believe it's because they're doing too much. You know what I believe it is? They don't have anyone in their life encouraging them. They don't have anyone encouraging them. Stay faithful. Man, you can do I've been through that season of life. Here's what God did for me. Here's how God encouraged me. Here's what God did in our marriage. Here's what God did in our relationship. You don't have any of that. And when we don't have any of that, boy, we struggle. I mean, we struggle. I got got story after story what life groups have done in this place. Fact is, uh, in between between the, the morning service and this service, I got recruited for a life group. 
I mean, I think that's awesome. Some people got excited and says, we need to start a life group. Listen, let me tell you something. We need to start more life groups. We need more people to come into community. If we're going to be a dynamic church, if we're going to be the church like in Thessalonica, man, you need this in your personal walk. I never will forget, Lisa and Steve Eckert, 1997, uh, they started one of the first life groups that we ever had here at Fellowship of the Rockies, and, and they went to, to Springs to pick up her brother who was flying in. They drove back down on I-25. They have an accident. Uh, they bring in life flight, and so they, they, they took, the police took, and, you know, were snaking traffic through, and, and it just so happens, if you believe it just so happens, Two couples from their life group had gone to Springs for dinner. And they're coming through the line. And they say, that's Steve and Lisa's car. And so they pull over, they talk to the officer, and the officer says, you know what, we life lighted them out. Uh, Steve's at, at, at Parkview. Jonah, their two-year-old, is at Memorial. And Lisa's at Penrose. So they called me on their way to town. I, I met them at Parkview and... I took their whole life group in there with me to see Steve. Steve had a broken leg and broken collarbone, and Steve's like, get out of here. I'm, I'm going to be okay. I may be on crutches for a while, but the way Lisa and I landed, we landed face-to-face, and we talked, and she couldn't feel her lower, lower body. She couldn't move. So we drove to Penrose, had the whole life group in my Suburban, because that's the days, you know, everyone in Texas drives a Suburban. You know that, right? <laughs> and so I had the whole life group in, in my car. We drove to, to Penrose. We walked in right after the doctor had just told her she'd never walk again. And I watched a life group encourage her and talk with her and love on her. Jonah was in Memorial. He didn't have any major problems. They were ready to release him, but they needed to release him to an adult, and mom and dad are in the hospital. The life group took Jonah. I watched a life group jump into action, and, and you, by the time Lisa, three months at Craig uh, in, in Denver, when she, when she came out, They'd already gone through her house. They'd already made her house handicap accessible. They'd widened hallways. They'd dropped countertops. Uh, they built a fence. They didn't have a fence in the backyard. They knew that Lisa wouldn't be able to chase Jonah and care for him. He wouldn't be able to go outside without a fence. They built a fence. They put in a playground. They, they did meals. They had people with her. I mean, unbelievable. I, I'm just telling you. I don't know what people do without community. I don't know what people do. I mean, there's celebrations and there's difficult times. and We, we have so many stories in our, in our church about that. But look, it also, here, here's another thing, confidence. 1 Thessalonians 3.8, Paul makes this statement. It's such a weird statement. He says, for now we live. What do you mean now we live? They've been living, right? No, Paul says, you know what? Up to now, you've just been existing. You haven't been living because you haven't been in community. Community is what gives life. Community is what gives purpose. Community is where we, we speak to each other and we speak truth into each other's life and we encourage one another. We mutually support one another. And Paul was saying, now this is true living, not existing. For if we are standing fast in the Lord. I mean, he says we encourage one another and we support one another. There's something about it when you realize that your life has touched someone else's life. 
I mean, we have a life group right now. We have couples right now moving a couple, another couple in their life group to, uh, to Oklahoma. I mean, I'm telling you. They had a couple in their life group, and, and the, couples, the, the life group spoke into this couple's life, talking about face-to-face and speaking into someone's life. This couple needed God to do something in, her, in, in their life. The husband had already moved to, to Oklahoma, and they were waiting for God to do some things in their life. And the life group looked at, at her in a life group meeting and says, Well, you know what? You're praying about all this, but you need to take a, 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 stay, a, a faith step. You need to make an act of faith. And if you will walk in faith, God will bless you. And it was in a worship service during the, during when we were singing that God spoke to her and confirmed what her life group had told her. She left our service, didn't even complete the whole service. She left our service and went and called her husband and says, we need to take a step of faith. And he agreed, and they did. And unbelievable things happened in their life. God began just putting everything together in their life. We need each other. We need people. Listen, we need people who can speak truth into our life that we know that love us and that we know that, that care for us. And the, the last weekend with them, in the pastor's reception line, she came up to me and she was pretty emotional. She says, she says please, please, please don't ever take this church for granted. Charlie, don't ever do that. Don't ever let the church take what God is doing here for granted. My husband has already visited 13 churches. We don't think we're ever going to replace Fellowship of the Rockies and what he's doing here. It is so special what he's doing here. See, the danger of our church is this, is that we can take it for granted, and then we can become critics of what he's doing, and we can become critics of his church. And some of you, you will never take it for granted because you came from a church that was legalistic. You came from a church that had no celebration and no joy and no baptisms. Or you came from a church that had like this sliding scale of moral absolutes. And you remember that and you'll never take it for granted. But my fear is, is that we could grow to the point to where we begin taking it for granted. And we think this is just normative for every church and it's not. The average church in America is in decline. The average church in America is struggling. Listen, from June of 2010 till June of 2011, we have grown by 17%. We need 25 more life groups. We need more people willing. There's some of you that you are equipped and you have a spiritual gift to lead a life group. And we need some of you willing to use your spiritual gift to speak into someone's life. Wonder what would happen in this church if we got really good at giving the lonely, the solitary, a home, a place of life. There's comfort. There's confidence. There's joy. For what thanksgiving, verse 9, for what thanksgiving can we return to God for you for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God. There is, man, there is joy and there is great joy in serving together. Well, we got life groups that, man, they're celebrating anniversaries. They're celebrating birth of kids. They're celebrating new homes. They're celebrating jobs. And, and they get it. And those life groups, you couldn't blow them apart if you wanted to. There's just deep relationships there. 
there's just great joy. The last thing is this, is Paul helps them with, there's a purpose of community. There's a reason why we do this. And the first thing is he says, he says, that's where faith is matured. You get that, right? That's where faith is matured. Listen, I'm telling you, the Bible would tell you this, that if you are a believer and you are not connected in community with any other believers, you are at risk. You're at risk, at risk to be deceived, to be self-deceived, to be deceived by Satan. You need someone in your life that can look you in the eyes and say, you need to be very, very careful with that relationship. You need to be very careful with that situation. You need to see that thing differently. You need to walk differently. Or someone that can mutually encourage you just to stay faithful to him. Verse 10, watch this. As we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face to do what? To supply what is lacking in your faith. Every one of us needs people like that around us. That's why the papools were so important to us as we started out marriage together. People that married for, for, for 30 years. And the reason we meet together is to supply what is lacking when we get discouraged. Or when we feel like quitting or giving up. That we got people around us. They can supply what is lacking in our faith, and we can be encouraged by them, and they can be encouraged by us. Look, another attribute is this, love for one another. Watch this. Paul says, verse 11, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all. As we do for you, it was Jesus that said this. Jesus says, you know how they know you're believers? You know how they know you're Christians? Not by the denominational tag on your, your, your church and, and not by where you go on Sunday morning or Saturday night. You know how they know you're believers? If you love one another. What, we could turn a community upside down if we got so good at this life group deal and, and it just kind of sizzled here to where the lonely could come in, the isolated could come in, and people could come in, and they could find community in this place. And they weren't judged or talked about. They were encouraged and people spoke into their life with great truth. The last one is this, that lives would become holy. Well, here's exactly what Paul says in verse 13. He says, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and all his saints. I'm telling you what, happiness, fulfillment, Connecting with something larger than yourself, that is God. If you have never connected with him, if you have never asked him into your life, this is the day to do that to where you'd ask him to come into your life, forgive you of your sins, and give you the gift of eternal life. The second thing is, is what we do here, worship. The second thing is, is to where you're in a community of group of people, they're familiar faces. You worship alongside of each other. You may not know everybody's name, but they're familiar faces. There's, there's comfort in there. The third thing is this, a close group of friends around you that you do life together. I am asking you this morning, we need to double the number of life groups. We need 24, 25 more life groups. There's, a, there's an insert in your bulletin like this. It describes every life group that we have. And you know what? Let me just tell you. Maybe we haven't done a good job of helping you with the next step or helping you know all the life groups that we have or where to connect. And so we'll own that. And we'll say, you know what, maybe we haven't done the best job. We're trying to get better at it. We're going to try to help you understand your next step. We're going to get better at it. But maybe, maybe it's also your fault. Maybe you really haven't wanted it. Maybe you like the anonymity of blowing into a worship service and 
blowing out and nobody knowing your name, nobody knowing who you are. And can I just tell you this? You're missing out. Man, you're missing out. We got some great life groups. The Bible is clear that we're to be in community with other believers. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? What does God want you to do as a result of this message? Remember, Jesus said that the blessing is not in just hearing the word, but it's in doing the word. Some of you this morning, you need to accept him and start a relationship with him. Some of you, what God is pushing you and God has been maybe leading you and talking to you and you just need to commit, I'm going I'm to I'm lead a life group. I'm going I'm to develop a life group here. We make it so easy here at Fellowship of the Rockies. For some of you, you just say, you know what? I just need that. I just desire that. I just, I just need that community. Whatever God is asking you to do, would you just be obedient to that and we'll just call it good? I don't know how families sometimes get through difficult seasons of life without a close group of friends that pray for them, encourage them. I just don't get that. Would you come into community?